As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This podcast is powered by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. My thought, this is my thought process as a kid. I'm 15 years old, 16 years old. I'm like, instead of having a cone, I want to see what works and what doesn't work in live action. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Attention to Detail, the podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Ayers. Today, I got my man Jamal Crawford on here. Let's be real, Jamal probably doesn't need much of an introduction. We talked about some super interesting topics, so how he kind of trained himself growing up, how he's now approaching coaching and training his son um, and that team as well in a time where youth sports can get a little bit crazy. It seems like Jamal is really doing it the right way for the right reasons, which is really refreshing to hear. We talked about one-leg shots, a little bit about his time with the Clippers, etc. So without further ado, I'm super excited to get this to you guys, Jamal Crawford. All right, well, let's get right to it. We're in a little bit of a time crunch. So Jamal, appreciate you for joining me. We've been looking to connect for a little while now, um, so I'm glad to finally get you on here i know you're a busy man and i've been around out and about so it's been tough to kind of schedule time but i'm excited man and i think a lot of you for the for the viewers and anyone watching they know you as a player uh, but i've been doing my research um and i'm super interested in sharing kind of the basketball mind side of things the coach you know everything that you're doing now to kind of expand from that um so i'm ex- super excited to hear your perspective i'm excited for everyone else to hear your perspective and uh hyped to have you on man I'm excited to be here, man. I've been a fan, um, like literally my son, I'm always showing him like different techniques and different ways to, to go about stuff. Cause to yes. me, I'm, I mean, to him, I'm just dad. So I don't get very far with that. So, like, <laughs> right? so um, it was funny cause your stuff, it kept coming back to you and like stuff mm-hmm. I was doing and I'm trying to explain it made so much sense and it made it clear and easier for him to understand. So much respect for you, you, I literally had a fan of me for a while. Hey, that's much love, man. It's crazy how the internet can do things like that. I didn't even know that until we connected, you know, less than a year ago. And, uh, you know, it's cool to see how things kind of come full circle. So speaking of your son and kind of how you have been coaching, training him, just being a support system for him, 
what do you like about getting kind of away from the playing side of things and now being on the coaching side of things and developing players? How do you kind of see, how do you maneuver that? What's your favorite parts of it? Just kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, for me, uh, to be honest with you, I've always worked with kids. Like I've always had basketball camps. I've always had, ever since I can remember, I was always helping a kid. But with me trying to figure out my next move as far as playing, uh, I started actually coaching my son. I went from being a parent to, to actually coaching him. And the kids don't know it, but that may have actually saved me uh, just as much because I was like, man, I should be playing. You know what I mean? I was in that mm-hmm. mind state. And helping them and seeing their development, like, was like, you know what? It made not playing that much easier than I, like, transitioned all right. the way. And, and for me, it's like seeing them go from point A to point B, hearing technology yeah. for the first time. You know, I remember when I was an eight, nine-year-old kid playing on a team, I still talk to that coach, by the way. But I remember things wow. I was talking about, right, that, that actually stay with me forever. And so for me to play a little part in that and knowing that this is like not the beginning of their journey, but kind of really early in their journey, they're going to learn things and be able to carry things with them, you know, as they get to their adolescence and, and middle school and high school and beyond, like seeing them go from point, point B or point A to point C is like gratifying in a whole different way. So I, I actually love coaching more than anything. And then after wow. that, like talking the game on TV. And then after that, we'll be playing. And I, man, you could ask anybody, like nothing felt like playing. But for me, this is my favorite thing to do basketball. Wise. No, that's awesome to hear. And I'm interested as well in kind of your approach. Like you have an interesting story compared to a lot of coaches, obviously. Um, yeah. And I'm going to ask you a little bit about kind of how you grew up as well um, in terms of like how you developed yourself. First off, while we're on the coaching topic, I'm, I'm, Curious as to what your approach or your philosophy is to not only help your son, but everyone at that age develop and get from point A to point B. Yeah, it's just everybody's at a different place, right? And some things I may tell them, they may not understand, but I'm like looking down the road for them. So everything I do is down the road. I don't coach them based on where they are right now, if that makes sense. Like, even if I have a kid who's more athletic than every kid in the gym, I'm going to challenge him and test him to be able to add fundamentals and technique and why he's doing that. And I kind of, we're like unpacking details every session, mm. right? About the why, why is this going to work? Okay. You can do this move and it may work for you right now, but it's not going to work when you meet somebody just as athletic. So I'm teaching the stuff, the why ready. And then I'll go back and tell them why, and I'll break it down to them in a, in a, in a, in a simple form. Right. And so I'm always thinking long game, even the stuff we do, we, we're big on nutrition. We watch film already. We're your seventh grade team. So we're watching film and nutrition, um, just about the why and you know, everything's preparation for later, you know? Right. And so like, yeah, you like the, the, the no look three that Steph Curry does. Right. But do you know how many shots per day he's doing that to, to even get to that part where he's confident enough to turn around and not watch it go in. You know, so the why, and then we, I'm like, yeah, but if you're making a thousand shots a day, then they're like, wow, he makes that many shots. Like, you know, so the why you're doing that. And so for me, I, I, I simplify things, but I, I want them thinking big picture. No, I love that. And I think we're in kind of a world right now where even with kids, it's like, what can you do for me now? And we're doing scouting reports on nine-year-olds. And it's like, you see a lot of young athletes who kind of get, whether it's they get in their head, whether they're just, you know, they stop growing, whether they've develop their game for them now it's tough to find that balance between succeeding now and appeasing people and then also setting yourself up self up for down the line um so that's huge and i think a lot of people can take from that 
Um, and hopefully we start to kind of refresh the basketball community and get back to that because that's, I think that's where development kind of comes in a lot. Um, and you got to have foresight to see that. Um, so getting into a little bit of you when you were younger, when you were your son's age, one of my biggest philosophies is just kind of promoting experimentation, freestyle, and just kind of get outside the box. Um, and I've heard you talk about that a good amount, which is a unique perspective in terms of kind of how you grew up just playing and trying things out. Um, so I'm interested in how you kind of developed yourself, even if it was outside of training, like how you got to the point where you were a super creative, kind of free-flowing free player that you came to be. Well, I never, to be honest with you, I never used a cone in my life. Like to this day, I've never used a cone for the basketball. I just, my, my mindset, my thought process was the cone, it looks good right now, right? But at some point, there's going to be a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, six, guy who can move. And what if that, that cone stand right there? And so now that move isn't as effective. It's just on a cone. You need to actually play people. So my thought, this is my thought process as a kid. I'm 15 years old, 16 years old. I'm like, instead of having a cone, I want to see what works and what doesn't work in live action, right? So it's interesting when I watch Luca. I was watching last night. We had him in the game, uh, in the studio, watching the game. And his whole thing, you can tell he played basketball growing up. You can just, just by his pace, you can tell he played a lot of basketball. He knows when he gets to certain spots on the court what moves to do. I bet he has a certain move package or foundational piece of what he's going to do when he gets certain areas. Right. And so for me, I started trying stuff. Some stuff worked. Some stuff didn't. Some stuff worked in different areas. I'm like, oh, okay. So when I get to that spot on the court, this move works a little bit more effectively. And I'm doing that. I'm collecting data the whole time. So that was my whole method. What's crazy about when I was coming up, because I came up in the and one era, right? And so mm -hmm. I'm coming and people are like, man, that's three stuff's not going to work. That's not going to work in the high school game, the state tournament. Right. It wasn't even beyond NBA. Like, it's not going to work in high school in the state tournament when things toughen up. And I'm like, well, if I do it enough and I own my flow, like I own my game, I can do it anywhere. Because at that point, it's not about who I'm playing against. It's about me. And do I have it mastered enough that I can do it against anybody? And that was my whole thought process. And so when I played at LA Fitness, when I played in the state tournament, when I played in the University of Michigan, there was no difference. I played how I played. It wasn't for everybody, and I get that, but I played how I played, and I mastered. I owned that flow. And so no matter who I'm playing against, I'm going to play against more athletic guys, obviously, in the NBA that I do at LA Fitness. But for me, it was never about who I was playing against. It was about me. And that's why I tell our kids now. I'm like, look, I asked them, I'm like, what's your favorite restaurant? Chick-fil-A, this or that. <laughs> like, the reason Chick-fil-A is your favorite restaurant is because if we're in Vegas, if we're in Miami, if we're in Seattle, it tastes the same. You love Chick-fil-A. I'm like, it has to be a certain standard, right? No matter where we go, it's not about who we play. It's about us. And we know our standards. So if our standard is this high and we're not to that standard, then, you know, Chick-fil-A wasn't good that day. And that's not what we want. The fries were cold, right? They were soggy <laughs> or whatever. And so that's how I kind of break it down for them. But for me, growing up, it's just my flow. And I was like, oh, okay. Like the shake and bake move. I know personally, and I've never said this. I'm going to give you something. I know personally it works better on a certain side versus the other. You know what I mean? Like the move is going to shake somebody more on a certain side than, than the other place because it's just, it's a certain area where there's more room for that defender to mess up. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's crazy because like going full circle now, 
the stuff that I was criticized for coming up myself, Jason Williams, Ray for Austin, all these guys at that time, even hot sauce, right? Ali, but all those guys that are criticized for something. Now the stuff that some trainers are teaching is stuff that I was, that I was doing then. Like, I, I swear it's no, like it's big ups to all you guys, but I'm looking, I'm like, damn, they're teaching what I was doing 25 years ago when it was criticized. You know what I mean? And so it, it's just crazy to see things go full circle, but it's also a proud moment. Like I'm glad you owned your flow. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's an interesting topic of how the game is just evolving. Like I have these conversations all the time. It's like, if you just transplanted uh, Luca or Trey Young or any of these guys, into the game 20 years ago people would think that they're crazy and it's just because the game evolved certain things become regular that weren't regular before and now you see dudes like victor Wembenyama, and other guys taking one leg threes and it's like you're you're getting that pushback and you know kd has shot a couple in a game you know that is right now it's still at the highest of high the elite of the elite but who knows 20 years from now the one leg three or one leg shot could be a dynamic shot that people are shooting there's tape of me shooting one leg three, one leg mm-hmm. three flippers. I'll send you, I'll send you the tape. Yeah, and it's crazy. Do. When I, I worked on it the whole summer. And so when I mm-hmm. came back, if you ever talked to Paul Pierce, and I was doing in pickup to, to win games, and nobody yeah. expected to come. And Paul Pierce, was like, man, there's you could do that at the end of a shot clock. I'm like, right. Yeah. Start doing it. Like I took and I asked Doc. I asked Doc Rivers. I, I was like, look, I've worked on this. Here, I'll prove it to you. Can I shoot in the game? He's like, yeah, you worked on it. Go ahead. So it's crazy to see where the game is going. Like it's yeah. crazy. Nah, for yeah. sure. And I'm I'm interested in this because I've been low-key promoting one leg threes. I don't want to get criticized for it too much, but I'm interested in what you think are the benefits of that, either whether it's a weight or a late shot clock type of shot, or if it's just one that, you know, maybe you're in the mid-range, you got some momentum into it. What do you think were the benefits that kind of uh encourage you to work on that in the offseason and bring it out in the game? Because everything is rhythm. It's tendencies, cadence. When you see a one leg three, it takes out the rhythm. It think about it. If if you're guarding me, right, at the end of a shot clock or thin, you know I have to somehow pump fake. I have to load up, right? I have to pull up and load up off two feet. You know it. So you can kind of start getting the rhythm and timing of it. And you have the clock on your side, or you have the just the cadence of the game on your side, right? He's gonna load up, you know, left, right pull, right, left pull. If if I'm doing a move and I just stop and shoot off one leg, there's no way you can react to it because you don't know it's coming. Nah. You know what I mean? Either you're going to foul me or you're going to give me a clean look at a shot. And if you work on it, why not? It's just pushing the game forward in different ways. And so that's the benefits for me. It, it takes out the rhythm of a defender knowing when a shot is coming because they can't. you can't load up like a one-two shot. Yeah, no, 100%. And that can be mid-range, that can be three. That's that's why floaters, I think, are huge because it's just tough to kind of pick up the rhythm of it versus like a short pull-up or something like that. And like you said, it's all about kind of unpredictability and creating a rhythm and then breaking that. So that's huge. Hey, let me say this part before you continue on. It's, yeah. And this is props to you. It's crazy to hear your voice on this because I listen to so many of your videos yeah, and watch. Even there was a video, <laughs> there was a video you broke down to me, and it it helped me learn about myself because wow, all crazy. the stuff you all the stuff you said was stuff I was thinking. I just didn't know how to like communicate that. Mm. And I'm like, that video is dope. And this was years ago. This before yeah. you like really blew up. I'm like, this is dope because I sent that video out to people years ago. I'm like, look, he's saying the stuff I'm thinking when I'm playing. <laughs> so, nah, that's love. Nah, I appreciate that. Um, 
that's big time. I mean, one of my goals is, is to do that. Like, I always hope that a player who I break down can see it and kind of be like, you know what? I thought this, and this was in instinctual to me, but I've never really, like, processed it. That was me. If that that's, makes sense. Absolutely. Good. No, nah, that's absolutely. amazing. That's full circle for sure. Um, so going back to kind of the evolution of how you started shooting one leg threes, every player I think has this, no matter what level they are, like they have something they work on in the off season, right? Like for you as a one leg three, maybe for somebody it's just, just putting the ball on the floor, something super simple. But you said you went to doc and said, yo, look, I've worked on this. Is this a shot that's acceptable, whatever you want to call it in a game? How would you suggest that young players do that now that you've done that and you're at the coach standpoint, you see the coach standpoint as well. If a player is working on something just to expand their game a little bit the entire offseason, how do you suggest that they approach their coach or just talk to, have that conversation where now something that they've expanded in their game is now acceptable in the real game setting? I think that's it. I think it comes from the work, right? So if you work on something yeah. all summer or you work on it for a period of time, a long period of time, and you have it in your your in your bag and your repertoire where it's like i can do this at any time on command i think you do that then you do it enough either before practice in practice after practice maybe all the above to the point where it's your coach has utmost faith in it like no he's shown he can do this a million times so in the game when people are like what is he doing the coach can sit back like hey he showed he can do that the assistant coaches nobody's looking funny at you nobody's like you know that was crazy because they've seen you do it every single day and you've made it at a high rate. You know what I mean? And so yeah. that's where you accomplish from your coach at. So if you show him in practice, show him during practice, show him after practice that you're working on it, he's going to have more confidence to let you do it. Don't just do it and then look at your coach like, hey, you know, let me do it. Like show him and let him get that confidence. So when you do do it, whenever you decide to pull it out, he has the utmost faith and respect. And you can you can shoot that so shot with freedom. You can shoot right. it not thinking. What is he going to think if I shoot the shot? And that's the big key because you, you don't want to have that mental barrier. Like if, if, I, if I make it, it's going to look good. If I miss it, I'm coming out. And I think one of the big things that I try to emphasize players is like it's a process to add anything into your game. Um, right. Like you can start off just whatever, trying it out, getting the feel for it, experimenting with it. I try to hurry up that process to get live defense in there ASAP. Like you were talking about a yeah. little bit earlier. I think a lot of players work on a technique or a move or a shot all summer but they don't do it with defense so then they come yeah. whether it's a game even a practice it's any skill is going to be way different with defense than you know just doing it in a workout even if you're repping it out you get super comfortable with it you have to bridge that gap between doing it on air cones whatever and then actually doing that with live defense is trying to stop you so i think my process and this goes into exactly what you're saying that i always try to suggest to players if you're out there listening to this is like try it out whatever get comfortable with it then go straight to live defense, see how it works, see what you need to adjust in it, experiment with it. Then you throw it into practice a little bit. You can try it out when it's a little bit more unstructured. Pickup games, I think, are huge um, for just trying new things out. And then something kind of clicks is some, is usually what I'll experience where you're like, all right, this is doable. I'm comfortable with this. I'm comfortable enough with this to do it in a game. Um, and I think if players follow that rather than just trying to get straight into a shot, in the game and a pre high pressure situation, that's huge. Um, Absolutely. So I think that's that's probably the process that most players are looking at. Uh, kind of extending from that or branching off of that. You mentioned LA Fitness, right? You go there, just hoop when you were younger. What yeah. do you think the benefit of just unstructured pickup games are for young hoopers? And how would you 
encourage them to approach these when they go to the LA Fitness, the 24-hour, when they go to the park to just hoop with their friends? I think it's it's a lot of benefits, actually. But a couple is, one, if you play with different groups of people, right, you're going to play with people who aren't necessarily always on the same level, but you can get – I always got something out of playing pickup. I didn't care who it was against because it was never about them. Like, example, I was with the Clippers, and my daughter was being born, so I had to come home. And, you know, I had a few days off. During that, I was playing L.A. Fitness every day just to stay in shape. And they don't know that, but it, <laughs> it, it kept my it kept my conditioning up. It kept my rhythm of basketball up. You know, not touching the ball for a few days is it's kind of yeah. weird. Your handle is the first thing where it kind of feels funny. You know what I mean? And so no matter who I was playing against, I was going game speed because it was about me. And so you're going to play with different groups of people. Some people want to shoot more. Some people don't. But work on something that day. Like someday it may be like I'm playing against the most athletic guy and I'm going to drive left that whole day if the, my left hand's my weakness. Or I'm, I'm not playing with a good group, so every time it's going to be off the dribble three. Like I'm going to work on just my off the dribble threes. You can get benefits out of that too because you're training in a different way. Yes. You're still doing the stuff you're training, but you're training with live bodies. You're training with uh, live action, and that's invaluable. It gives you a – the one thing I don't like is guys who just train because – they become masters of one. They don't learn how to play with anybody else. I think playing five on five gives you feel. It gives you um, a feel. It gives you like you don't have when you're training, you don't have the whole court to work with. There's no other bodies out there. It gives you, you know, what it feels like to have nine other people on the court with you. It just gives you pace. It gives you so much other stuff that you can't just get, you know. So I think they're both so needed. Training, you have to do. There's no way around it. You should want to do it. And then playing ultimately no matter what you work on you have to transition to five on five so i think playing is everything yeah no for sure and i think doing that in an unstructured environment is huge too because you know players these days will play five six games in a weekend which is needed you know aau travel ball is definitely a big part of the fabric of basketball culture now but at the same time i've been trying to encourage my players to like look play on a team where you're playing less tournaments you still play some of course especially when you're younger um or especially when you're older and you need to get recruited but when you're younger, like going to the park will probably benefit benefit you more than going to a game where you have coaches, you're looking over your shoulder, you're looking at your parents, like you're not trying things out. You're you're afraid to fail in those games. And it's a completely different mindset. Yeah, it allows you to experiment, like you said. Yeah. Like like some of my greatest moves have come out of experiment. I haven't shown anybody, but the people that were there that day at the gym, but they came out of experiment. They came out of uh What's another word I'm looking for? It came out of not desperation, but it came out of circumstance. It came yeah. out of somebody, you know, then double team when I didn't know they were on double. I threw the ball around both guys and went and got right. it. Like I planned it, but it allowed me to experiment. I'm like, oh, I can keep that. Maybe I'll do that now in transition, not the half court. Like you just your mind never stops working on how to improve and get better. But it absolutely allows you to experiment, allows you confidence. And the more you can do the things you want to do with in game reps, no matter, you know, in unstructured settings it gives you the ultimate confidence. Like, if I can do it here, I can do it anywhere. Mm, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you put that better than I was going to say it. It's like there have been moves that I've done or shots that I've taken or even with some of the players that I've talked to. Is like you wouldn't have done that if you weren't playing, number one, with defense, number two, in an unstructured right. setting where you were allowed to experiment. Like, there are a lot of things that you can see other players do and then try it out on a cone or on air or whatever, but it's just – it's not going to come out of necessity. Like when you're playing in a game, there will be be reads or be certain circumstances that happen where 
again, whether it naturally happens, whether you uh, think about it beforehand, whatever, that doesn't matter. But things will happen that you would never expect to happen when you're in the gym by yourself. And you need those things to kind of push your limits of creativity, if that makes sense. So that's huge. And then also, yeah, and then being able to, to fail and experiment, those are probably number one, because that kind of sets that standard. All right. So last thing, I don't want to take up too much of your time. If you were a high school athlete right now, or middle school, let's say going into high school, how would you maneuver this basketball culture between, you know, all the things that are happening with you sports becoming huge, AAU becoming huge, but also the style of play, um, how that's evolving, stuff like that. Let's say you were, you put yourself back, whatever, 20 years and the, the cultural fabric of basketball was as it is and going into 2023, how would you maneuver that? I think for me, it, it's it's crazy because I can always tell a lot about a person from the OGs they have around mm-hmm. or the OGs they learn from, you know, because I'm not going to say father because everybody doesn't have a father in their life, right. but they have good, solid people in their life. Uh, it could be a AAU coach. It could be a community center coach. It could be just a big brother type figure. Whoever it is, somebody's giving them good information. Like if I'm in eighth grade going to high school, I want to be challenged. I want to be pushed. I want to be the best I can be, and I want to be somewhere I can be myself but yet grow, if that makes sense. Because I don't want to go somewhere. Like, say it's a big high school. I don't want to go to the high school just because it's known to be, have a big high school, but they don't they don't see me how I see me, right? I want to go somewhere I can get better, I can grow, but also be pushed. So if it's a high school that's not quite as popular, but they're like, yo, Jamal, we want you. You know, by sophomore year, you'll you'll probably be a starter for us. You know, we have the information you need to get better. We're going to push you. We have this alumni group of guys that went to college that may have went to a guy that went to the NBA, maybe plays overseas, whatever it is, that can give you the information. Because I was really big on information when I was a kid. Like, I had that figured out. Quick story, Doug Christie, I was 16, and, and my name started to take off in Seattle. And Doug Christie was like, yo, I'm hearing about you. You can work out with me. I'm like, all right, cool. He said, be at this gym at seven o'clock. I will be at that gym at six o'clock waiting for him. I didn't have his phone number. So our only communication came when he saw me the next day, uh, be here Tuesday at six, and that was it. Because for me, it was never about, you know, he's a millionaire. I'm a guy struggling. It was never about <laughs> getting a pair of shoes. Or nothing. It was like, yo, I want the information to be a pro because that's all I thought about, right? And so... That part growing up, going back to now, if I'm in eighth grade, I want somewhere that can give me the information. Because if I really want to do this, I need somebody that knows much more than me about how to get to where I want to go. Right. So I want to be pushed. I want to grow. I want the information. I want to be able to be myself, but yet still build upon that and learn other things I don't know. That's huge. And sometimes that's uncomfortable, right? Like being pushed. It's very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. I coach kids, right? And our yeah. team was, I think we finished 13th in the country last year. We may be even higher this year, but that's here nor there. My point is, I know the kids who, and I see them all the time, some I don't coach. In second grade, they were the only ones on the team that can dribble, right? So they're used to dribbling. They can only play. Now it's eighth grade. They can only play one way. <laughs> dribbling. Chances are, at some point, you're not going to be able to dribble as much, right? Right. Like, you're not going to be able to dribble air out the ball and then, like, hey, can these guys play with you? As you continue to grow in your game and you continue to go up levels, you're going to play with better players every stage. And those guys have to be able to play, too. So now how are you effective if you can't dribble as much? Mm. 
You got to be a better catch and shoot guy. You got to play off the closeout. You got to be able to play the pick and roll. You got to play the weak side defense. And like, don't ever lose your dribbling fabric. But now let's add tools to your tool belt. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's cute when you're young because you're, you know, these kids when they're really young, they're the only one on the team that could dribble. They get all the mm-hmm. shots. They get right. But as you grow older, you have to start to have a. It's. I'm like, do you want it hard now? We have right. to learn to play without the bar. Do you want it hard later? Well, now you go to high school, like, hey, that's not going to work. And that's your first piece of adversity. You're like, man, I don't know how to handle this. This is crazy. So let's get it hard now and let's make the transition now. That's what I think about. No, that's a fact. That's a great word. And I think that's a good way to end. Um, and that's that's any age. Like college players listening to it, I see it yeah. far too often. They don't want to be pushed a lot of the time, not to overgeneralize, but then they go to somewhere where it's either more comfortable or it's out of their I don't know. I don't want to say out of their league, but they go somewhere to kind of look cool rather than be in a spot that really wants them and, and really loves who they are. Exactly. And I, and I have to give a, because I coach Rotary, Seattle Rotary. Mm-hmm. Seven. But I have to give a shout out to my parents too. I don't have any parents who are like, um, no, my son should be this. He should be playing. They that's full on trust. Yeah. That's they, and that's like a huge piece. They full on trust me and my vision with the team and how I see them because our team is the AAU team, but we actually function like a real team. And mm-hmm. so it's like, we don't think like, okay, because this guy's ranked this, he's going to start every time. No, he's going to come off the bench too. And when he's out there, he's going to play for the team. Like, and I give all of them that mindset. And that's what makes our, our thing special and different. I would say from most AAU teams. And we have 11 guys, like what AAU team has 11 good players yeah. on the team. Like we're, we're seven, five in five out at times we're winning big, but, the game is about each other. And so all of them, shine. I always tell them it's enough for everybody to shine. Like we're, it's enough for yeah. us. We're going to play it's tired. You go back in, but it's, it's fun at the end of the day when you're going to those national places and you're together, you're not just bringing in new players for that tournament. Like we're, even when we lose, we got to see the same team next tournament. Yeah. No, there's enough of that pie for everyone to eat. So that's big time. Yeah, sure. I got to come check y'all sure. out. I got it. I'm been meaning to get up there, but if I do, I'm, I'm definitely stopping by a practice. We'll be in Dallas. Okay. Finally closer to you um we may be in georgia this year as well at some point so yeah cool now check us nah, out for sure. Sure. yeah no nah, absolutely look man i appreciate the time um it's a pleasure having you on here seeing seeing how full circle it is so i appreciate the support and and you giving out game to players coaches worldwide so much love my man we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch we're gonna do, we're gonna do a part yes, two sir. for sure yeah <laughs> no i already know appreciate it my man Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.